Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore in the world of Warcraft. Um... Someday we'll talk about other Blizzard games. I know I've been covering Overwatch and Know Your Lore quite a bit the last couple of weeks, and I'll continue doing that. But for right now, for right now, we're focused on World of Warcraft for a very special reason that most people probably already know about. Anyway, uh, I'm Ann Stickney, one of two lore-focused writers from Blizzard Watch, and I've got both of my wonderful co-hosts with me today. First up, of course, we've got my other half of the symbiotic entity that seems to share some kind of brain, Matt Rossi. Hey, Matt. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, clearly nothing we ever came up with ever affected anything or in any way <laughs> predicted anything correctly. Nope. Nope. And then second, of course, we've got everybody's favorite shaman columnist and purveyor of lore as well, Joe Perez. Hey, Joe. Well, hey, how's it going there? Man, it's almost like you guys were, I don't know, precogs or something. I don't know. No, I, I honestly, let's... Uh, they kind of hinted pretty strongly that this was the case and i think it's just a matter of i remember i think we drove maticus nuts one night <laughs> we were sitting there and and it was like it just what would it final t- why are they talking and i was like ah uh, it's gonna have something to do with the well of eternity and Anne just went quiet like in in work chat for a minute and then she's like it's azeroth and then i started going like i think that was the night that we were like ping pong and back and forth yeah, like we were going was. back and forth so fast that uh I believe Maticus commented on Twitter something about watching the two of us talk late at night was like watching a Chinese ping pong ball tournament. Yeah. <laughs> he, he would occasionally try and say something and it was like, you know, <laughs> yeah. sorry, man. Yeah. So I have to um, come up here. Not to get too far off topic here. Uh, this week, obviously, what we're going to be talking about um, if you're avoiding, if you're waiting to hear about Chronicle until the book comes out, and it comes out in a couple of weeks, not long now, um, then this is probably not the lore watch for you. If, however, you're interested in hearing more about the book and what's in it, we got a, what was it, a 21-page preview? I think it was a 21-page preview that IGN released on their website last week, and... Boy, it's a doozy. Um, yeah. It doesn't cover everything, obviously. It's just small synopsises from various sections of the book itself. But we kind of feel like we're obligated to talk about this. So if you're avoiding Chronicle spoilers and you don't want to hear anything about it until you've got the book in your hands, go away, come back here after you've read the book in a couple of weeks. If not, stick around because we're just going to go completely nuts here. <laughs> So, yeah, uh, Chronicle, um, volume one, obviously, of however many volumes they're going to do. This supposedly covers everything up to the Dark Portal opening, correct? That's what we were told. I, I, I've, I've got some doubts well, as to whether or not they could fit all that, but, you know, we'll see what happens. I, I think it will because, or at least they're going to try to attempt to cram it all in there because even in the preview they're talking of years before Dark Portal. like, And, and I think that even if there's a couple of volumes before Dark Portal, um, it, they're still using like their their chronological order here. Yeah. It seems to be based There's on. also it's... that beautiful image of Karazhan that's just there. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, hell, it's a picture of Medivh on the very front cover of it. I mean, he's just sitting there like, I am the Lord of all ravens. Ah. I find myself like just, I don't know. I mean... I mean, we should just start talking about it because the more we talk about what it's about, the the less coherent my thoughts are going to be. Yeah, Chronicle is basically um, the definitive guide to Azeroth. And if you've ever read any of the Diablo, the Diablo books, like the Book of Cain, Book of Tyrael, Honestly, it's along those lines, yeah? This is 
way more. I'm more excited about this than I was the Diablo books, and they were good. Don't get me wrong. They were very good. But this book looks to be crazy good. Um, for one thing, it's a lot easier to read. Yes. Oh yeah. Um, Absolutely. The, the Diablo books they were they were presented in the form of like you know stylized. This is Deckard Cain's journal type stuff. It was his note taking. <laughs> yeah, that's great and all, but this is much much cleaner. It's much easier to read. The presentation's much. So do you think these are Medivh's notes? I don't think so, because well, he might have written this, but this isn't notes. This is Medivh sat down to write a book. This is the Warcraft Bible of creationist lore, which is really interesting. Um, the other interesting thing, I guess, let's just go ahead and jump into it. Um, the first section that it talks about is cosmology. Yeah, it's basically we, the, the what the Warcraft. People have been asking us this for years, and we've always been like, well, we don't really know, but we yeah. we I think. I wrote a series, actually. I wrote a series on the Warcraft Cosmos where I was talking about like, the various aspects of reality and the various planes of reality. Um, yeah. I didn't get into this part, though, because there's, like, apparently there's cosmic forces that work in contrast to each other. And there's that's, that's like, the first page that they inter, drew, introduced here. Um, yeah. You have light and shadow, which we knew about. Mm-hmm. We were pretty familiar with the concept of light and shadow. Um, life and death, which we were also pretty familiar with because you've got Alex Draza working for life. And then you've got, you know, the Forsaken, the Scourge, the Lich King, all of that. All right. Okay. Um, order and disorder. Which we kind of knew about, but they didn't like ever particularly come out and say it existed as cosmic forces. Right. Yeah. And what's interesting here is that under the reign of order, that's where arcane energy comes from. That's where arcane magic kind of fits into. Mm-hmm. Um, which is interesting because I'd always tried to figure that part out and I couldn't figure out quite where it fit. Well, it makes sense because arcane magic is the imposition of the will on the world. Right. And it's, and whereas, it's go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, whereas fell energy, which is under disorder, fell energy is basically ripping power out of the world. It's like you it, – it, that's one of the reasons why I've had the arguments with with uh, Panaria, Megan, our, our warlock columnist before, that you can't have a really good warlock because any warlock is inherently at least a little mm-hmm. evil because they, their power source is rooted in death. They're agents of – it's not death, actually. It's well, disorder. It's, it's chaos, yeah. It's yeah, chaos. But in it's... order for fell magic to work, it says right in the book, for fell magic to work, things got to die. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean if you, that's why it's next door to death, right? And I think that's kind of the interesting thing. Like, if you look at the cosmology as a whole, it's even beyond just like opposing forces is you look what the neighbors are to each other. Right. right? But before we get too far ahead here, I, I need to ask something because – the, the terminology here is very specific. They don't say order and chaos. It's order no. and disorder. Yeah. Do you think that was deliberate? And why would they have made that distinction? I think they made that distinction because for them, the ordering is the important thing. Okay. It's, you know, the, the Titans go around ordering Cosmos and the Legion breaks it. It's not chaos is a pure force. If you, if you use the term chaos, you're talking about a pure thing. Whereas... I feel like chaos is the thing that would have existed before all this. Right. Sure. Once you have order, you can only have disorder. You can't have chaos. Chaos is pure. Chaos well, is just wild. If you sow fundamental- enough disorder, eventually it'll regress well, back to chaos. And that's yeah. exactly the definition of disorder anyway, is disorder is the disruption of the systemic functioning of neat arrangement. So yeah. like, it makes perfect sense to call it disorder. Okay. It's like, well, I'm, they- I'm gonna let, let me just read this bit because I think it's really important. Okay. The forces of order and disorder govern the cosmic systems of the physical universe. Order is the most commonly perceived in reality as arcane magic. This type of energy is innately volatile, and we- wielding it requires intense precision and concentration. Conversely, disorder is manifested in highly destructive fell magic. This brutal and extremely addictive energy is fueled by drawing life from living beings. The Chaos would be something that has nothing to do with that. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. chaos is, is you know, you, you once you have order, all you can have is disorder. You can't really have chaos until all order is gone. So I think that that's really interesting that they've set, like, both arcane magic and fell energy are destructive in their way. Arcane magic is volatile. It's not a, it's not, it isn't 
I don't want to say good because that's not the right word, but it is not. It's not, a, it's not a tidy little package. Yeah, exactly. It's not safe. Neither of these is a safe thing. Imposing order is just as destructive as as imposing disorder. You know, either way, because you're you, still carving a path through chaos. Exactly. You're. It's almost like they chaos would be something that'd be opposed by law, not order. Does that make sense? Right. Like you have law and or, law and chaos opposing each other. <laughs> law and order. Yeah. <laughs> same thing but all right i I just i think there is definitely you're definitely right in that there's a deliberateness to this okay um the final section and this one was another one that i also found intensely interesting uh talks about the elements and Mm -hmm. of course you know we've got the usual elements that we are all very very aware of you know there's fire earth water air but there's two others Mm -hmm. and those two others have kind of they've been referred to before well spirit has for sure um i would argue that so has decay and i can go into that if you want but so there's two others there's two other elements out there there's spirit and there's decay um joe you want to talk about it because you're a shaman guy so this is interesting to me too uh because obviously we know about fire air earth and water and I'll, I'm going to read the section out just because I feel that it's important that we frame frame this. So the elements of fire, air, earth, and water serve as the basic building blocks of all matter in the physical universe. Shamanic culture have long sought to live in harmony with or assert dominion over the elements. To do so, they call upon the primordial forces of spirit and decay. Those who seek to bring balance to the elements rely on spirit, sometimes referred to as the fifth element by shaman or chi by monks. This life-giving force interconnects and binds all things in existence as one. Decay is the tool of shamans seeking to subjugate and weaponize the elements themselves. That's huge right there, especially for me, because while shamans have been familiar with spirits since the very beginning, there's always been quests that delve around that. Um, even as recently as Cataclysm, there's been quests that, that dealt with the whole binding of the spirit and how the spirit is important. But there are two really important things here. One Chi is the same as spirit, which is cool. That's a confirmation of something that hasn't really been explained, but has been kind of a speculation since Mr. Pandaria came out. And two, that decay is a thing that is used by, for lack of a better term here, I'll just call them evil shaman, but shaman that want to weaponize and basically subjugate the elements, bend them to their will as opposed I don't, to harmony. With I'm going to argue against the, the definition of that as evil. And here's said, why. Okay, okay. You, you said evil shaman. Here's why I'm going to argue with you. Not that it isn't cruel and brutal, but, and this is what, you know, why, th- this is actually the entire inverse of my argument about fell magic, and you could use it against me if you ever have that one. The, the thing about using decay is the dark shaman come from, the, or basically based on the, the tradition of the tonka, the idea of dominating the elements rather than cooperating with them or rather than coordinating them. Yeah. And it's it's not inherently evil so much as it is desperate. Uh, decay seems to be a force people tap when they, they're desperate. Because if you look at the Tonka, it's, it's rooted in the fact that they could not survive. Like, they're looking at the, the place they live, and they're like, we can't live here. We, nothing grows here, and we're completely surrounded by hostile forces. We have to make them listen to us. They won't listen to us, then we have to force them. And that's interesting, because why is decay the force that forces? Because it draws... If you look at the cosmology the map here, w- decay, you talked about this before... The positioning, decay is right up against death, and it's also close to void or shadow. So it's it's on that axis, and it's even on the same side of the cosmology as disorder. You know what I mean? If you're looking at the, the map. Mm-hmm. So I find that fascinating that decay seems to be kind of this... It's like this manifestation of those forces inside the universe. I feel like I should clarify, too, because I said... I said that these are like two other elements. They aren't. They aren't elements. You've you've got the regular elements. You've got yeah. You've got the four elements. Decay and spirit are the two things that are. They're the two tools that are used to work with the elements. Let's just if that makes sense. Let's just do it. We're both. We're all not saying the thing that it, they're the light and dark side of the. They yeah, really pretty much. That's what they are. I don't know why we're we're trying so hard not to say that. They basically stole this idea from Star Wars when they, with that whole binding everything together. I'm like, I'm throwing my hands up, going, "Come on, you're just." <laughs> so it's it feels like decay. It, it's it's being used like, it's like a hammer. It's like if you can't get the thing to work any other way, you pick up the hammer and you hit it with the hammer. And the hammer is the fear of destruction. Because look at the forces it's near: disorder, death, 
and void. It's like, if you don't do what I want, I will end you. I will make you decay. I will destroy you. Whereas spirit, it's that's closer to life and light and order. And it feels like using spirit is saying all things are part of an inherent order. All things are born from like the light and life. And if you cooperate with me, elemental forces, you know, you will partake in that. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, but the other side of the decay coin, too, or at least for me, is I'm thinking about it in terms of at least a little bit in terms of real world mythology, at least, you know, with voodoo and hoodoo, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they're two sides of the same coin. They still speak to the Loa. They still, you know, use this sort of order. But in particular, and this is going to sound really goofy and I'm sorry, um, but for me, decay is similar to the process of creating uh, basically voodoo zombies, which is breaking down the spirit until it cannot fight against you anymore. Right. Like, and like you said, like spirit is this, this life, this vibrancy it's right next to life, nature, the wild gods. It is this, this purity of existence to me. Decay is the breaking down of that purity and, and taking away sort of that vibrancy so that you can use it as a tool. And so for me, it's, that's why I'm saying that it, for me, it's a, it, I view it as something that's quote unquote evil because it is a tool, yes, but because it's inherently chi- it's inherently used to chip away at the things that give those those spirits autonomy, right? Yeah, it's, I don't think it's it necessarily subjugation of of their higher functions. I would argue that you don't have to use it that way. You just have to threaten to use it that way because that's Maybe. the thing is if you look at the I'm thinking specifically of there's a story. Um, it's actually set in the Pandaria era, and I can't remember the name of it right now, but it's it's got um, the paladin and, oh, Lord, the, the Draenei paladin, Marad. It's got Marad, and he's up against the Dark Shaman, and the Dark Shaman isn't breaking the spirits down in the way you're saying. He's threatening to, and he's hurting them. Sure. So it feels like he's using it as a goad rather it, than... It, basically and what that I'm was the one that was the... Because they were doing the reputation stories at that point. That was the yeah. one with the Tillers. Yeah, and in that one... So I think it basically it, it certainly can be used evilly. And I think he does go to the point where he's using it in an evil fashion because he does go beyond threatening them to actually hurting them with it to like, you know, do what and I say. That was that was actually that was Garrosh's M.O. Because when uh, in Tides of War, in Tides of War, when they were attacking, not Theramore, but up above it, that North one Watch hold. North Watch hold when they were attacking North Watch hold. Um, Part of what kind of horrified the rest of the horde was that Garrosh was like, I have a new weapon. And he pulls out these shaman who are doing just that. They are subjugating the elements. They are forcing them to do things. And everybody's just really taken aback because this is not this is not how a shaman is supposed to work. Um, You know what's really interesting about this, too? mm -hmm. We could see monks using this because it's it's dark monks. Yeah, seriously, you could get evil monks who use anti-chi. You could you could do that. I mean, it's, I mean, I'm not saying do it, but I'm saying you could if they happen to be using red laser swords. I mean, who knows? I don't know. <laughs> so um, the page after that is the one that's kind of thrown everyone into. Oh. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I've been I'm, picking I'm apart this image this like since I saw it. it. It's a cosmology chart. That's all it is. Um, and it kind of lays everything out in order and opposite each other and you know, kind of talks about that whole, they were talking about the elements. They were talking about the different schools of magic. They were talking about, you know, light, shadow, death, and life, order, disorder. And it's all kind of laid out very specifically. Do you remember, this reminds me of something we, you and I talked about. Uh, what? Does, because where... there's so many, you should yeah. see the notes I've made on this map. Yeah. The cosmology, the specific one I was thinking about is the complete opposition of the Naru in the old gods. Yep. And we, the, I remember we were having, actually Joe was here for the show too. Yes, yes, we were talking about the, the old gods and the Naru and it's like, what if the Naru and the old gods have some kind of life cycle? Cause we know the Naru. Yeah. Fall that was a, that was a tinfoil hat that I wrote about. Yeah. We, we talked about it on the show and I remembered like when I looked at this thinking to myself, okay, have they just basically set that up? Because the Titans and the old gods aren't very far away from each other anymore. Well, no, like, and order is, and... order is right there. Order is surprisingly close to Shadow. You, you know what I mean? They're yeah. Like right next door. Yeah. They're neighbors. What, what gets me about the preview in particular is, and, and I'm just going to talk about it in regards to the cosmology until we move further along in it, but every section kind of calls back to this this map, right? 
and it adds more, at least for me, like I have a whole slew of questions that I need to, I need to read. I have one big question. Have we ever been to the Shadowlands? Yes. I, when, when you go to, when you go, when you're doing the Death Knight starter quests and you're sent to go get your horse, you're in the Shadowlands. Okay. Cause I was thinking, I was trying to remember when that was. And it's like, cause is, is the Shadowlands the opposite of the Emerald Dream? Kinda. Is it like an evil Emerald Dream? Is it like the, it's like, the, the purple dream? I mean, it, it's like, well, I mean, you saw it when we went there. It, it almost strikes me like a purgatory. Like, because it's right, a if you look bit. at it, it's is it between where you go? life and death, right? Like, it's smack in between, right? Get me about that, that is, if if you think of the Shadowlands as a purgatory, is it the place where death knights go with their purgatory procs and they don't quite die? Uh, it's just Probably, so, they probably. face into the Shadowlands. It would make sense. I mean, why not shamans shift to the astral plane so they're 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 shifting up when they take damage? Here's so, I mean, what I, I don't here's, see why here's that what I find interesting, relevant. right? Okay. Well, is please like it's one thing you find interesting. Go. Okay, there's a million things on here that I find interesting, <laughs> but we've got we've got the elements all laid out, right? You've got earth and water over on the side of order. You've got fire and air over on the side of disorder. Okay, that's fine. So fire, you've got the firelands. Air, you've got vortex, pinnacle, well, vortex, you know. Mm-hmm. Where the wind god is hanging out. Water, you've got the oceans of Azeroth, and then you've got Neptulon's realm. Earth, you've got Deep Home, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, in that same circle is spirit and decay. Now, spirit, I'm assuming that spirit, the spirit world, is after we die, when we go to where the spirit healers are, that's the spirit realm, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, that makes so. sense. Where is decay? And the only logical explanation that I had for that, because there seems to be this kind of like cycle going on, right? Okay, so um, go to the upper left corner there. You've got life, right? Life is brought into being by nature. And when you die, you go to the spirit realm and then you come back to life, right? There's a circle going on there. Okay, so death. You're dead, right? Oh, I know where decay is then. You're, you're dead. It's where Sylvanas went necromancy mm-hmm. thank you. you you just like jump my point here okay oh i'm sorry you i thought you were trying to get us to say it <laughs> death necromantic energy brings you back from death to an undead state and what what happens when the undead die when the undead die they don't go to the spirit realm they go to that place that arthas went to they go to that place that sylvanas went to they go to that place where i only see darkness before me and that's decay that's what i'm assuming here anyway Makes sense. Yeah. But that's also interesting because um, if you look at it, water is closest to spirit on the side of order. Mm-hmm. Makes, but that fire, makes sense fire is closest to spirit on the side of, of disorder. And fire is actually closer to the light than than water is. Water well, the is light burns, to light. yeah. But I, I just, mean, I just you want to go with the literal thing. Light and disorder are very close together. Mm-hmm. Not light and order. Light and disorder are, are the closest you know, light is closest to disorder in life. So Here's... light creates a certain amount of disorder just by its existence. It, it, this is fascinating just because of where it positions things. So here's the other thing that kind of like um, interested me among many other things. Uh, if you go down to the shadow area, you've got the old gods and those exist kind of in direct counterpoint to the Naru, which we kind of thought about that that might be a thing. And that is apparently a thing, but now Going back to where I was saying that this this might be part of the life cycle of the Naru, the reason I say it might be part of the life cycle of the Naru, if they regress into the void far enough, I'm assuming that they become an old god. Well, that- it, it, it makes sense, too. The map is like a whole big circle, right? And if the life cycle, because we've already seen, we've seen what happens to a Naru when it destabilizes, right? Mm-hmm. So it goes into the section of disorder, right? It dies. It becomes a shadow of its former self. Then eventually it reorders and is reborn through life. Like it okay. makes it makes perfect sense. Let me get this out because I have to spit this out. Right. All right. So you've got the old gods, right? The old gods. Um, I'm assuming from where they're hit on the shadow chart there. Right. You've got shadow and light. You've got holy magic. You've got shadow and void magic. You've got the void lords. The void lords are that thing that the Naru become when they start descending into void magic. It's that thing that Muru became Entropis that we had to fight. Yeah. Okay, If they go far enough, I'm assuming that they go right into being an old god. Where's or, the Naru equivalent to that? Here's the thing. Do you want to know what the Naru equivalent to that is? What I think the Naru equivalent to that is? Sure. Elune. Hmm. And Anshi. 
and any other ascended Naru. It's an ascended god. Here's the thing, though. Maybe it's the other way around. Mm-hmm. You've got the Naru, and the Naru are in the same position as the old gods. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. But the Void Lords are further down. The Void Lord, which is the the chaotic state of, of Anaru, it's the you know dead state, whatever you want to call it. They're further back, yeah. They're further back. They're what if the Naru aren't supposed to be here at all? I don't know. Like the Naru are the physical or more accurately, if the Naru and the old gods are literally physical manifestations of things. If it, if you think of an old god as a physical manifestation of the idea that is a void lord, a void lord's not supposed to be in our universe. It's not supposed to be there in front of you. It's not supposed to be Entropius. It's supposed to be a conceptual being, but there it is in front of you. Maybe that's not supposed to happen. What's supposed to happen is they come through as old gods. And if Elune and all those are ideas, because Elune acts, but she's not, you never see her. No. What if in order to exist in our universe, they have to take forms like Naru? Do you know what I'm saying? And the, and the reason that we, they, when they die and turn into shadow, they become void lords is that's what they're supposed to be, but not in our universe. So the Naru are kind of descendants of these gods, for want of a better word. Physical manifestations. Physical manifestations. Yeah. Like of... literally, it's if if they want to be here, they have to take on a form. But which <laughs> inherently, but that inherently subjects them to all the limitations. other forces, limitations, but also the other forces of the 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 universe. It means that they they can be touched by the void. They can right. be touched by shadow. They can be touched by all of this other stuff. And and we've seen that. We have actually seen evidence of that, and we talked about that already. You know, we've with with Entropius, we've seen this. We have seen this happen. And what's interesting too is we haven't, like, we've seen that Anshe has power, right? However, that power works. We've but we've seen no sign of Anshe doing anything. No, nope. Anshe hasn't spoken to anybody. Elune has. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're like level twenty and you're in Ashenvale, Elune will talk to you. Oh man, and, and that quest chain is amazing. And Elune takes action, but Elune isn't physically there at any point. And you just I, hear a voice. Yeah. Um, but she also, would... she also, she also, she does something else that's interesting. She cures a satyr. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if we look at the, the cycle here, if you look at where disorder is, where the burning legion is, a satyr is in there. A satyr is in that realm. By fel, they're infused by fell energy, but they're originally a night elf. And that would basically put them over towards life and nature. Right. So the swing is, it's just interesting because the swing would have to be through spirit. You know, just... I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of babbling here. This is the problem. I have so much going on in my head. I'm kind of babbling. Yeah. But, like uh, I said, you should see the notes that I've been making on this thing. <laughs> they're, they're wild. They're wild. Um, and of course, you know, this is only page two, so maybe we should go ahead and move on um, to primordial Azeroth. Let me click forward. One, here. Thing, one thing I got to say up front is one of the things about this chapter is it really changes our understanding of what happened. Mm-hmm. Well, kind of. It really uh-huh. it changes one thing pretty drastically. Originally, we thought I'm not going to talk about the one really big spoiler here. If you guys want to mention it, good, but I'm not. No, we can talk about it because I threw a spoiler yeah. warning on the beginning yeah, so of we, this we, episode. This whole episode's a spoiler. We're good. But the thing I want to mention is that before anything else, because of the lack of of the spirit element on Azeroth, because it was not there in in the same profusion as it is in other worlds, the elements were fighting before the old gods ever got here. That's a big change. We were always told that the elements fought because the old gods thought it was amusing. And there were elemental lords. The old gods didn't create the elemental lords. They were well, already there. Yeah. And in fact, they subjugated them. And yes. we don't even know how, because this thing cuts off right at that moment. Of course. <laughs> right, at the, right at the crucial moment there. Um, but we but do I, know, I wanted we to do leave... know that there was a war. Yeah, but I wanted to leave the reason that there wasn't spirit to Anne, because quite frankly, Anne called it, so oh go. Oh my god, I can't even believe that I called this. Seriously. Like, this was this was a yank out of the air thing, right? Um, so Azeroth's a titan. <laughs> yep. And if like you remember back, <laughs> not only was this a KYL, not only was this on the show at least in two occasions, but uh, we've talked about it quite a few times. So uh, Now, if you want to know where I pulled that from, I am not psychic. I didn't talk to anybody to find out this information or anything. And I called this, what was it, like three years ago? It was like three years ago. Um, I basically, all I did was I started looking at the creation story that we've been given so far. And the one thing that kept being repeated over and over again was that the Titans created Azeroth. And I started thinking about the nature of the word create. And one of those things is, well, procreation. 
you know, you make a baby. Maybe this is a baby Titan. That's where that came from. This is something removed from that. So, yeah, it is a baby Titan. Not quite in the way that I envisioned. This is different. Um, apparently, the Titans have been traveling the universe looking for nascent Titans. Yeah, apparently every Titan you see used to be a planet. Which, that's in, that's interesting as shit. That's weird. <laughs> what's, what's weird about that, too, is like, you know, I know these guys read comic books. So they basically took the origin of Ego, the living planet, mm-hmm. and the origin of Galactus <laughs> and kind of smooshed them together. And it's like every every Titan is in fact an, uh, was born out of a planet. Well, what if it what if it's even a step further, right? Because we know that, and and this is what I was thinking about when I read this. So we know that the the wild gods, right? That they were created, they were born of Azeroth. Well, Azeroth is a Titan. Speaking what... of which, I find it weird that they're calling them wild gods instead of ancients. But I guess that's so that you don't run into that whole. Yeah. Well, the August Celestials are also filed under that. They're considered. Uh, they're. The wild god seems to be this umbrella, and the ancients are kind of yeah, under the there. Yeah. The Loa, the the, the Loa, the August Celestials, all of those are considered wild gods. They are born of the world, and I'm okay with that. But mm-hmm. what if what if the Titan? What if Titan isn't actually like the planet itself, but the true full maturity of the spirit of that planet given physical form? That seems to be what they're saying here. Yeah, that and, and seems then that's what so like, they're saying. Well, because I had a couple of people uh, hit me up on Twitter and be like, does this mean Azeroth is going to explode? And I'm just like, probably not. So well, for those of you that, that are afraid that the planet's going to explode, unless we do it ourselves, I'm pretty sure Azeroth's going to be okay. Honestly, I, I don't know. I kind of think I, maybe I disagree with you, but I think that the scale is so vast that I wouldn't worry too much about it. Maybe. Like, Earth is going to get swallowed by the sun in five billion years. <laughs> I'm not sweating that. That's like, you know, that's going to be somebody else's problem. Azeroth might explode because it feels like it's an egg and sure. what's inside it might yeah. hatch out someday. But, but when that happens is going to be not tomorrow. But I'm just going I'm just going based off of the whole idea that, like, if these powerful entities could be created just by a sleeping Titan, basically, like a baby Titan that's in the middle of this planet. And to me, and this is going to sound really goofy. This was actually just for me and Raids talking about Transformers of all things. Because in Transformers, Earth is like the antithesis of the spirit of... It it is Unicron. It's the antithesis of the spirit of uh, their home planet, which is also a Titan. Um, It is just kind of one of those things where it, once it becomes fully awake, it can manifest itself and leave and it doesn't need its physical form like it transcends it that leaves behind the shell right it leaves behind the shell it doesn't need it anymore it doesn't necessarily have to crack it open because everything is still there it just says well you know what the, i i really want to look like this you know i want a really kick-ass beard and you know i want to wield a scythe and yeah you know this sounds really good i'm gonna do this and it just orders itself a brand new body essentially to invest itself in and then goes and joins the cosmic rebounds. Let me just, I'm going to just read this passage really fast. Um, Cause I think it's important to what we're talking about. Um, th- though the mighty Pantheon might not know it, their intuition was correct. A miraculous new world was taking shape in the isolated corner of the great dark deep within this world's core, the spirit of a mighty and noble Titan stirred to life. One day it would be known as Azeroth. Uh, and that seems to be talking about the Titan, not the planet. Yeah. The Titan will be known as Azeroth as mm-hmm. well. You know, so as the nascent Titan developed, elemental spirits roamed across the world's surface. Over the ages, these beings became ever more you know, erratic and destructive. The burgeoning world soul was so vast that it had drawn in and consumed much of the fifth element spirit. Without this primordial force to create balance, Azeroth's elemental spirits desert, descended into chaos. Think about one question. Does Draenor have a Titan in it? I think maybe it no. did once upon a time. And, and if it did, you know, this might explain why Draenor shamanism is much more ancestor spirit rooted. Yeah. Because they had ancestor spirits because they had more spirit. Here's you- the thing about Azeroth, right? Well, actually about the whole spirit thing, you know, people might not wrap their brains around this. Um, if the planet is an egg and Azeroth is the little dude at the center it's trying to be born. What it's doing is it's leaching that life force from the shell of the egg around it and pulling that in. Azeroth is getting real strong. And the reason it's getting real strong is because it's siphoning all of that spirit from the shell of the egg. And that kind of allowed the elements to do what they're doing. Yes? 
what's interesting to me, and I, I, like agree, that. I agree with what you're saying. What's really interesting to me is the, the, the fact that it means that shamanism on Azeroth is inherently different mm-hmm. because yeah. they don't have spirit. Well, and well, here's you the know thing about Draenor, we, right? Draenor, I think, yeah, maybe Draenor was a titan, but it died. Maybe. And since it died, it wasn't drawing that spirit. And since it wasn't drawing that spirit, it just remained on the surface of the world. But I think Rossi is right in hitting on something important. And, and even in, in even in Warlords, in the early, early quests, at least Horde side, you see elements of that when Thrall's trying to interact with spirit, or like in, trying to interact with the spirit of the elements and can't. Or it yeah. taxes him so much that he just, he lays down because it is inherently different on Draenor than it is on Azeroth. Way, way different. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting to me is like when he finally figures out how to tap it properly, um, their version of Drek'thar is ludicrously powerful. Oh yeah, he's crazy powerful. Uh, and it's it's when if you read the original um, Thrall novel, Lord of the Clans, he actually has an encounter with the the element of spirit. It talks to him, mm-hmm. uh, and it basically tells him, you know, you'll be a great shaman one day. But it's in an isolated place on Azeroth. It's a, it's like within a small cave near the, near the Frostwolf uh, base, and that's not common on Azeroth, but it's all over Draenor. Like to the point where their elementals, their their ancestor spirits just walk around. Like they just hang out in graveyards. Like you can go to a graveyard in Nagrand and there's like, oh hey, I remember you helped me die. Yeah, I'm what over I'm here wondering now. is is the difficulty in mastering shamanism because you have to work so hard to access the spirit. And is the reason that the shaman gets so powerful is because they're tapping into the Titan. Possibly. Or Maybe the reason that, you know, Azerothians tend to develop dark shamanism more because there's decay to access, but there's not spirit to access. The spirit is there to access. It's just way harder to get to. Right. Yeah. There's obviously some of it. But what I'm thinking about is like most shaman on Azeroth, they don't they have to like bargain with the elements. They have to, like you know, convince them. So they have to use a kind of they basically have to kind of tap in the spirit by learning how to talk to them for lack of a better word that's pretty accurate they're, yeah they're diplo- they're diplomats and it's just fascinating to me like the idea of maybe on draenor you don't have to be a diplomat because you can just feel it and you can just you don't have to even you don't have to negotiate with this with the elements because you can just like here it is here is what we are and they'll be like oh yes right balance because because uh, go to the throne of the elements in the grand and the four elemental furies are just standing there they're chilling out, waiting to talk yeah. to you. They're not. It's like like F- Saruk the Fire Lord is pulled there and against his will. Like when you when you go to Tanan, Saruk the Fire Lord is being forced to do things by Gul'dan. Our Fire Lord wasn't crazy cuckoo. You know, Ragnaros was nuts. Mm-hmm. They're all nuts. The closest to sane is Therizane. Maybe Neptalon. Maybe Neptalon because he's closest to life. I don't know. I would but argue Neptalon, yeah. It's an interesting difference. Like I, I really I want to hear more about this. I want to see more about this. Okay, let's talk about the Black Empire. Okay, good. (laughs) (laughs) So you have these elementals running around the world fighting because there's not enough spirit essence manifested for them to realize, oh, hey, wait, we all have a role in this great thing called life. So they they were the elements in conflict, which elements are, but they the the cooperative aspect was lost. They were mostly fighting and destroying each other. And then this happened. I don't want to hog it, so somebody else want to talk about the Dark Empire before I just start babbling? You want to go, go for it, it Joe? Nope, go for it, Anne. Okay, so, coming of the old gods. Oh my gosh, I've been waiting forever to hear about this. All right, um, I'm just going to read this passage because it's actually pretty fascinating. Uh, the elemental lords reveled amid the primordial bedlam until a group of old gods plummeted down from the great dark great dark outer space just which we've been arguing for years we've all been saying for years no guys they're not just an azeroth ah i just want to point out they aren't they slammed into azeroth surface embedding themselves in different locations across the world these old gods towered over the land mountains of flesh pockmarked with hundreds of gnashing maws and black, unfeeling eyes. A miasma of despair soon enveloped everything that lay in their writhing shadows. Like, 
gargantuan cancerous pustules, the old gods spread their corruptive influence across the landscape. The lands around them seethed and withered, turning black and lifeless for leagues upon leagues. All the while, the tendrils of the old gods wormed into the world's crust, slithering deeper and deeper toward the defenseless heart of Azeroth. Um, the old gods kind of took over when they arrived, and they pretty much, well, they pretty much created life, per, kind of. They, they spewed created, life. They, yeah, they, they, they budded. Yeah, they, they budded. It was really kind of a gross experience, right? What's interesting, um, too, I, I just find it fascinating. We have the two forms that they, they give forth here. The uh, Finally, first off, the fa- we finally have a name for the faceless one. Yes. The Naraki. Yeah. And then the, you know, the Akir, who we've been talking about forever. And, and both of these guys <laughs> basically built citadels for the old gods. And the greatest of these was Yasharj. It was it was his bastion and or Yasharaj, excuse me. It was um, near the center of Azeroth's largest continent, and Yasharaj's holdings, along with the other old god domains, would soon spread across the world and be known as the Black Empire. So the Black Empire is basically the old gods are dominant, mm-hmm. and I find it fascinating. I ah, okay, so um, well, the old we... gods. The old we, gods have pretty much taken over. They've they've built the Black Empire. The Black Empire, it didn't go unnoticed by the Elementals, and the Elementals decided to go ahead and try and excise these entities from their world because, you know what, they're busy fighting each other. They're busy uh, merrily messing around on Azeroth, and these old gods showed up and tried to take over. Um, so there's fights going on, and there's really a gets beautiful illustration yeah. with that one. Yeah, yeah, but, I'm not sure who they're fighting there. Yeah, because it looks like humans to me, or or, or uh, dwarves maybe. Dwarves or or even uh, Vigril. I don't know. But what's really like first off the fact that we find out the Ashaj was the most powerful of them. Yasharaj. Which, yeah, which is interesting. With that is that explains why when he dies, the Black Empire seems to fall. We don't know how that happened or anything yet. It was like he was the leader. Well, more importantly, it's like he forced them. It's like without him, the other old gods don't cooperate. Which he, makes since, sense. Since he was the most powerful, he basically like kind of united them. It's yeah. not like we haven't seen that before with other, you know, throughout even just on a, a more mortal level too. Yeah, but what's also interesting is this. Going back to the the prophecy of Cthulhu, which is way old now. Yeah. Uh, and it talks about how the old god fought a titan, and we we now know that when they say a titan, they actually mean like one of the titan's servants. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was probably you know Raden. And it's probably why Raden had to rest after he fought, you know, Yusharaj. It's just like, oh, I want, I want so bad to read the rest of the story. I want. And of course, it cuts off. Yeah, it cuts off right there. And it cuts off, and it goes to the next section, and this is where I get really excited, right? Because the next section that it cuts to is the Empire of Zul and the Awakening of the the Akir, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Six, and we now have a date for that. This is sixteen thousand years before the Dark Portal. So this we was 6,000 years before the Sundering, because the Sundering was 10,000 years ago. But, 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 okay. Um, we obviously, the book cut off before it explained anything about what happened with the Titans and the Old Gods and all that other stuff, or the formation of the Well of Eternity. However, it says here, uh, for generation after generation, life bloomed across the ordered world of Azeroth. Nowhere was this more evident than in the dense woodlands around the Well of Eternity. The fount of Azeroth's arcane lifeblood accelerated the cycles of growth and rebirth. Before long, sentient beings evolved from the land's primitive life forms. Okay, that's cool and everything, but here's well, what we have to talk ooh, about here. Ooh, I the know Titans didn't create... Okay, mm-hmm. we had another tinfoil hat, Rossi, and I think this tinfoil hat was right. Yeah, I know what you're going to say. Go. The go. Well of Eternity is Titan blood. And it's yeah. not Titan blood like the Titans themselves. It's Titan blood. It's 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 seeping from Azeroth itself. Yeah, because and it's Azeroth because, is a Titan. Yeah. Because when you go back to the Black Citadel where they were talking about the Black Empire, Yasharaj, his temple was in the center of the world. It's where the Well of Eternity is right now. They basically ripped him up. They ripped they him, him up, they killed yep. him, and they realized that it injured the Titan because it created the Well of Eternity. That's the event that created the Well of Eternity. And they didn't want to make more of them, so they locked up the rest. So they locked up the rest because yeah. they couldn't kill him. Yeah, I, I, when I saw that, that was like the first thing that went in my and head. And we finally have we finally have our reason for why they say that you can't kill the old gods. Not that you can't, not that you physically can't, but it would 
kill they're too the, far the in. Titan. Yeah, they're too yeah. far they're in. Parasites. They're parasites. They yeah. They're absolute. They're ticks. They're they're well, ticks. If you think about it, it's we had a reason why it, you know you shouldn't kill them because look what happens when you do. They make you a shiraj. But this is like. Not only will you end up with these horrible things all over the planet that are even harder to kill than an old god, but you'll kill the thing we're trying to save in the first place. It's going to spawn a well of eternity. It's going to basically burst open a vein in this baby titan that's living in the center of the world. Yeah. And I don't know. I just, ugh. I was like, okay, we called it. We we totally, we talked about that one. Right? Oh, yeah. We, we've, yeah we've, I think we had two or three. We've KYLs written about several. It. Yeah. Several. Like one time we speculated it might be old god blood. One time we speculated no, it makes more sense if it's Titan blood. If it's Titan blood, and we yeah. talked about we talked about the connection to the blood shaping that the Titans know and Raden with all yeah. of the essence of Raden and whatnot. So this yeah. is like fascinating. Um, also, there's another thing in here that's interesting: uh, the trolls, a race of savage hunter gatherers who flourished in Azeroth's jungles and forests. Though the trolls were on, were of only average intelligence. They possessed incredible agility and strength. And it goes on to talk about their unique physiology. But the trolls evolved from something because of the Well of Eternity. The original Well of Eternity is what made the trolls trolls in the first place. You think? It, it says so. It says so. Four long says sentient so. beings evolved from the land's primitive life forms. So what primitive life forms do you think they came from? I don't know. I find myself wondering, like, what what does a troll... Like, what is a non-evolved troll ancestor? Like, is it a dinosaur? I mean, they're... <laughs> a raptor. They're constantly like, trying to get dinosaurs to do things for them, so I don't know. It just... I just like, oh my god. I want to... I want... This this passage needs to be longer. It, it just stops. It stops at a really bad place for it to have stopped. Yeah, they're talking about the Empire of Zul, the awakening of the Akir, and then... It just jumps to the Zandalar invasion. There's a beautiful illustration, though, of the city. Oh, I love this map. Yeah, oh city. yeah! Oh, the city was gorgeous. And then there's a wonderful map of the aftermath of the Akira Troll War because the two were, you know, waging war against each other. Um, and that map, I have so many things I need to do with that map that I haven't done yet. But it's the same thing where it's, you know, various points on the map. That's Kalimdor. Yeah. That What's and it? and the other thing that a lot of people were kind of focusing on was the fact that Kalimdor was listed as just the largest continent. Oh, yeah, I, I went nuts guy. on that one. No, it doesn't say the. It says the largest, but not the only. Like they, they, they It implies that there are other continents out there. Yeah. Beyond just Kalimdor. Like, and I, I remember saying when I wrote about it, I said something to the effect of, if you assume that Kalimdor is the size of Europe and Asia put together, and there's no reason to assume that one way or the other, but if you do that, if you make that assumption, you assume Azeroth is the same size of Earth, as Earth, and you assume it has as much land as Earth, then you've got like 150% this much land still unexplored. Yeah. Like there's, there could be who knows how many other continents in other parts of the world. No wonder Metzen didn't want to make in globes. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then there's also that whole curious thing about how um, Azeroth, as it cuts off right now, when you go down into Southern Azeroth, the southernmost points of Azeroth are all kind of tropical yeah. areas, which sort of implies that they're at the, the, the equator. They aren't, they aren't at the bottom. Of, if they were at the bottom of the world, it'd be like Antarctica, right? Yeah, presuming that, was, that that was made I think that was made at BlizzCon by I can't remember his name the guy who wears a red shirt the red shirt guy yeah, red shirt guy, yeah. I should red shirt guy I couldn't remember that oh my <laughs> God. he wears a red shirt the red shirt guy oh yeah that guy that, well, it's something that's been kicking around the community uh, for, for a while for for everybody who actually cares about this type of stuff his name is Ian Bates thank, thank you, you. anyway um it's yeah he, he yeah. brought that up at BlizzCon a couple of years ago Oh, at least two, yeah. It was a really good thing to bring up, too, because the team was, they were definitely... Look, they were all looking at each other like, we can't talk about this. We game. can't talk about this. And then Metzen said, you know, he said that they he hated it when they put globes in the game, because every time they do it, they're like, oh, no, we'll make it look really cool and everything. And he's like, yeah, but you do that, you're presuming that everything is where it's... And he couldn't go too far into it, obviously. But there's the implication that there is more to Azeroth than yeah. we have seen because obviously you know northrend northrend is up near the ice caps so that's why it's all frozen and everything you'd assume that at the southernmost point of the planet there would be a counterpoint to northrend maybe southern i don't know <laughs> it's also Southrend. icy southrend what's really f interesting too is like if you look at this map you can finally like get a, a sense of how big calendar was compared to the continents we have it was very and big it was very big but 
there's not as much space missing after the sundering as I had thought. It's like, there's you, like it's, a center portion of it because the yeah. well of eternity basically it kind of sank into itself, sort of it imploded. Um, the other thing is, you know, you look at the well of eternity on that map; it's a little dot, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you look at illustrations of the original well of eternity; that thing was huge. huge. So this is this is much larger than it looks. Oh yeah, I know. I'm not arguing that it isn't. What's also interesting too is this these colored sections which are the empires that were like survived the mm-hmm. war like you've got the these amani then the gurubashi and the Drakari. the Drakari actually you've never been talked up no we don't really talk about the Drakari but much but look at how much land they held they yeah. weren't messing and around. it all went to northern and then it fell apart yeah and there's Ezjol narab which was you know the various the bug people didn't get nearly as much out of this the akir <laughs> were kind of beaten back to small sections really yeah like there's on Karaj over here um, there's Mantivest to the south. And, and then there's Pandaria. Yep. Because the Mantid went there. So you can actually see, like, there's the Thundering Mountain. So the Thundering Mountain is, like, now a bunch of islands. Yeah. Just the peaks are above the water. So you can see, like, the originally the, the Thundering Mountain and Mogushim Vaults weren't very far apart. And they're still not, really. As the crow flies, they're very they're fairly close to each other. Just in game, they're not put in that way. And finally, finally, we get to see the Zandalari land that they held. Yeah. And this is all still, this is all before the Night Elf Empire. This is all before the Sundering. Well, it's, but it's even and before, before the, the rise of the Night Elves, yeah. yeah. Because all of this, all of this troll stuff, pretty much, around the Well of Eternity, anything, like, we now know the extents of the Night Elf Empire. And, and you, it's, see, you can see the dark trolls, too, there. Yeah. And the and dark trolls are pretty much gone now. And they're the all pockets trolls. of purple. Like the dark trolls are at least pockets of purple that end up becoming the night elves. Yep. And, and note like that, that a lot of them are kind of collected around the Well of Eternity. Yeah. And Mount Hyjal, which is also important. To know. Yeah. So that's, you know, of course, then we have the Zandalari invasion part that you were talking about. Uh, Zandalari invasion, um, it kind of like cuts out in the middle there. But there's there's talk about the order of the cloud serpent and Leishan and whatnot. So we're going to get some Pandaria lore in here, which is great because I, I love expanding on that stuff. Yes. By all means expand on that kind of stuff. Um, and then it jumps right into the rise of the night elves and yeah. where they came from. I don't know why people are upset about this revelation because this is a revelation that's been there since the Warcraft magazine came out. Yeah. We've been, and even before that it was hinted at. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, it flat time. out said it in the Warcraft magazine. Yeah. Trolls, or Night Elves came from Dark Trolls. That's... Well, the thing is, is, what's interesting here isn't that revelation. It's the revelation of what the Dark Trolls were like. We've never really... We know nothing about Dark Trolls other than there were a few left hanging around Hyjal. There's like one clan of them. Yeah. yeah. But now we actually get to see them, what they were like, what they did, how they acted. They acted like you'd expect trolls who thought more like Night Elves to act. Yeah, they and, didn't. They didn't really want a war with the other fa- the other troll factions or empires or anything like that. They just wanted to chill and get in touch with the earth and the natural world, and that was pretty much what they were there for. Um, so it kind of makes sense that when they evolved, they evolved into the night elves, who also, you know, kind of revere nature and that connection to the natural world and everything, just like the dark trolls did. And there's really yeah, there's this fascinating bit, like the thing about Elune in particular, the you know. The lake suffused the trolls' flesh and bones. Uh, the fact that they thought Elune lived in a lake. Yeah, and, they thought you know, that they thought that Elune was bound to the well of eternity, and that she slept during the daytime and only came out at night. Um, and it wasn't it wasn't an immediate thing. It was just over generations, the energies from the well of eternity just slowly kind of transformed them. And it's sort of like what happened with uh, well, how the Kaldari kind of turned yeah, but, into high elves. But here's the thing, right here. Mm-hmm. The former trolls also mm-hmm. discovered the name Kalimdor and other Titan forged words from communing with a loon. Yeah. And well, and investigating strange artifacts scattered around the well's periphery. Let's that that is also Yeah. Important. That's important too. So but, here's here's my question, okay? Um what were they investigating and what did they find? And if this was Titan language, my my whole my whole curiosity about this is, right, if we go back to that presumption that Yasharaj's city, the heart of the Black Empire, was the site where the Well of Eternity eventually came from, then what they're looking through and what they're discovering here 
are aren't just titan things it's also like relics of the black empire yeah mm-hmm. possibly have to be. or if the if it's a titan war base because here's the thing the titans were looking for azeroth right they would have come here ready to fight because this is a titan that they've been trying to find these things and, and nourish them the whole time and there's bugs all over this one we got to get them out who knows what this thing that they found, what these relics are. That's It could be a Titan relics. It could be old God relics. I don't know. It could be the elementals if they had anything. You know? And I don't know that they There's did. There's bits and pieces of everything by that point. Yeah. Um, and well, honestly, makes... uh, I feel like we need to start wrapping it up here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. But come on. We have the, the Well of Eternity and the Rise of the, of the Night Elves. And oh, God. There is so much to talk about. Yeah. So basically... This might be a two-parter. Basically, when this book comes out... Um, oh, God, when this book comes out. This book hits the shelves May, March 15th, so not too long now. Um, I believe our next episode is right before it actually comes out. Yeah, it would be in two weeks. So yeah, yeah, our next episode is on the 13th, and this comes out on the 15th. So we're not actually going to be able to discuss it next time. But maybe we can talk a little bit more about what we saw in the preview anyway. Um, can I just throw one more thing out? Sure, go ahead. At one point, the book mentions that the well before the night elves put up the the tree before before Nordrasil went up, they were still already virtually immortal. Yeah, just because of the nature of their 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 genetic like. That's what. Yeah. So, just because the night elves are mortal now doesn't mean they die anytime soon. Like, They're still guys, incredibly long lived. Yeah, and that's fascinating to me because it, it kind of like we have the the high elves and the blood elves, and we've seen that. They live a few thousand years at least. Like, because I think um, Anisterion's like the third king of their people. Like, they had Dathramar, somebody else, then Anisterion. So. I'm kind of hoping that they go into that a little yeah, bit more. Yeah, I want. That's the thing I really want to. I want to see more of how long. How long did the like, High Elves Empire last? How long do they live? And quite frankly, we've had bits and pieces of it hinted in the artifact quests. I want to know about Loken. Oh, God. Just so much I want to know. Oh, God. I, I'm hoping that they kind of explain after that whole banishment period where they the, the High Elves were banished to the Eastern Kingdoms. I, I want them to actually go into detail with what happened on the shores of the Eastern Kingdoms that caused the High Elves to move. Um, and I don't I have a feeling that they're going to do that because, again, you know, part of this stuff was kind of eh, offhandedly addressed in some of the artifact questions and stuff. It's no wonder that they delayed the re- release of this book because this oh, book yeah. this book was originally scheduled to come out, I want to say, last October or November, something like that. And then it was pushed to March of this year. And I have a feeling it was pushed to March of this year because a lot of the lore that's in it is stuff that's we're going to encounter in Legion. It's stuff that we're going to explore in Legion in greater detail, probably, than what the book presents. But um, intellectually, I'm happy that they waited. Emotionally, goddammit, I needed this book sooner. <laughs> we would have picked it apart. <laughs> we totally would have. Yes. But anyway, we should probably go ahead and start wrapping it up. So uh, Blizzard Watch, it's made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. And your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience as well. Um, final thoughts, Rossi. Oh, go to Joe first. Joe, final thoughts. All I know is that I'm happy with how much we've we've collectively predicted so far, but all it's left me is with the feeling of, of, of this insatiable hunger. I need more. Like, every section cuts off at the most inopportune time and leaves me wanting more. This is going to be phenomenal, and I cannot wait to just devote time like I've actually taken a day off of work to do nothing but when I have it in my <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Rossi, final thoughts. Uh, just every time that they've... They filled in a lot of stuff, but by doing it, they've actually made more questions than they've answered. Like, okay, we now know about this Black Empire and the war they fought with the Elementals. I want to know more about that. We now know more, like, the, the trolls and the Akir. The Akir woke up after having been defeated by the Titans when they ordered Azeroth. How many thousands of years was that? What And what was that like? And how did the troll heroes stop them? And, you know, I mean... You may say what you want about trolls, but anybody who fights the Black Empire or any remnant of it, you got to root for those guys. So, and it just goes on. Like, there's so much. I just, oh, oh, God, I'm starting to get a headache. Oh. <laughs> 
Yeah, um, pretty much it, anybody that was worried that this book would kind of dissolve any and all future tinfoil hat theories. Okay. Um, no, it creates more. No, it creates like a million more. So don't worry about that at all. We will always have something to unravel when it comes to Azeroth. Anyway, um, yeah. I guess that pretty much wraps it up for us. So we will see you again in two weeks' time. And I'm not sure what we'll talk about. We may we may go ahead and talk about the rest of this preview because we are missing a couple of sections here. Yeah? Yeah. I okay. That might be a good idea. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Have a great day. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.